you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I want to thank you for making Locked On Indians your first listen of the day which you can get free on all podcasting apps. I am Jeff Ellis, your host, as I have been since the beginning of this podcast. Uh, There has never been an episode without me, probably 600 of them by this point in time, all myself. We actually have a surprisingly large amount of news. We spent all of yesterday discussing Brady Aiken. I highly recommend, if you didn't listen, going and checking it out, because I did a what if. I did what if Brady Aiken had signed with the Astros and how... I mean, you go back and you can take that line all the way to the uh, 2018 postseason uh, where the Indians get swept by the Astros. And, I mean, the Indians probably aren't even facing the Astros if the Astros had signed Aiken. It is a huge thing for uh, just the history of baseball. No player who has never reached the upper minors has had a bigger impact on the game. We are going to talk about the rest of the players that were let go because I always like to take a moment and shine and explain why they moved on. And uh, after that, depending on time, we'll dive into the Ty Van Burko of it all and him uh, being let go. The longest, he was at least the longest uh, tenured hitting coach in baseball. He might have been the longest tenured assistant coach in baseball. And it was, this is the problem. Uh, You know, I very quickly touched on Tito yesterday and about how, yeah, he's going to be back in 2022. And I mean, he was he did he's done some things very well, but this is someone who's too old school in his approach. And we talked about how you know Mickey Calloway was someone that he defended, that he went out and tried to support when Mickey Calloway is out there uh, having adulterous affairs. Uh, Tito Francona is calling dudes husbands, calling ladies husbands, I should say, to try to get them to not make a big deal out of the fact that Mickey Calloway uh, is being lascivious. It's not a great look, but we know he goes to the dirt for his guys, which. That's not a bad thing necessarily, but it also means when you get into this situation, I guess we're just going to start with Ty Van Burko. Uh, it's a pretty big deal that he's let go. They decide not to bring him back. Uh, he had been seven years with the organization, uh, I want to say. Uh, you know, there was Zach Maizel really had it well covered in The Athletic on Thursday. I highly recommend checking out his article. But just pulling from there, you know, he talks about... <laughs> Lucas Giolito said in 2019 that he tossed Cleveland changeup after changeup because the hitters didn't counter with adjustments. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Zach had then followed up by asking him uh, about it. And he said, I haven't changed anything in seven years. And his young hitters have been pretty awful. And, you know, I kind of put out there my exact tweet. Uh, I'll pull up in a second here about, you know, there were... When you get right down to it, players weren't making adjustments. Almost even young players, no one was making the adjustment. Uh, Guys were getting up here and... Okay, so here's my tweet. I have no real clue how to make impact a hitting coach might make, but the failure of Indians young hitters to transition to the majors, along with other teams' players, talking about the lack of Indians' adjustments means moving on was needed. The game has evolved, evolved minds needed. Uh, You know, it's the idea of launch angle. It's the idea that you... Can you need to be changing how you hit the ball, how you uh, go out there? Jose Ramirez had that terrible slump, and I don't think he got out of it any other way than himself. The hitting coach didn't help; he didn't set him up. I don't think Van Burko really Van. I'm saying his name wrong, but you know, I don't think he did anything. 
he was there. Burke Leo, uh, he was there. I mean, that's about all he was. And I can't tell you one time I heard a player reference him as having helped them. And when I put that out there, I got a message from someone who used to uh, work in the community that uh, hitting coaches matter more in the minors, not so much in the majors. If you make it to the majors, you need to know how to make adjustments on your own or you don't belong. I don't buy it. Uh, You know, it's a great source. He's a great dude. But at the same time, I think the game has evolved so much. You need to be able to, you know, track trends. You need to be able to have that information. You need to be able to go to a hitter and be like, okay, we noticed that because hitters aren't necessarily like pitchers. There's a lot of times parts that move, things that get thrown off. It's a lot easier, I feel, sometimes for a hitter to get out of whack than a pitcher. And, you know, if you have a hitting coach, you can sit there and be on the ball. He might have told Jose, instead of having Jose have the equivalent of a torturous year of misproduction, hey, you're not pulling the ball as much. Stop trying to use the whole field. You do your best when you pull. And once Jose got back to doing what he did, he was great again. But that whole time when Jose was uh, a different hitter than he has been his entire career, how does that go for that long? How does it keep happening? Uh, a A hitting coach should be jump again. No one takes a step forward in Cleveland. No one takes a step forward. In the entire time he's been here, no one has outperformed expectations as a hitter. Am I wrong? Who's the player who's out? I mean, yes, Lindor and Jose, you can say, have outperformed. So let me clarify. No one has gone from fringe to starter. We've seen a lot of prospects fail. We've seen a lot of guys leave Cleveland and play better. Now a lot of them were more uh, minors guys, so, you know, it's uh, Jesus Aguilar, that's not his fault. Uh, Giovanni Yashirla, that's not his fault. But, you know, what was wrong with Carlos Santana last year? Uh, but again, was he, I'm trying to remember if he was with the team during the COVID season or if he opted out as well. I believe he was with the team. I just didn't see any work being done. And the Indians obviously didn't either. And you got to feel like the discussion with Tito about coming back, they're like, okay, you're going to come back. Well, if you're going to come back, this is, what it's going to cost. I mean, Tito goes, again, he goes in the dirt for his guys, which is an admirable quality. But uh, the Cleveland Indians front office was clearly done with Ty Van Burko, Burke Leo, and uh, they just decided it was enough. Uh, they're keeping their roving hitting instructors. Justin Tool, former minor league player, I know is one of them. I want to give the credit to the other uh, guy who has come up through the system. Uh, you know, they're keeping those uh, Victor Rodriguez. So they're, you know, they're going to bring in a new coach, but it's going to be a lot more of a three-coach approach. And the fact that they had two other hitting coaches to be more of the advanced thought hitting coaches spoke to what little they're getting from Berkeley. So, again, this was needed. Is there anyone out there who feel disagrees? <laughs> I can't imagine. I'm trying to figure, even amongst like the old-school fan, you're like, this team's offense stunk. Uh, they have low batting average and low RBIs. He should be gone. And if you're a new thought, you're like, he's not doing anything in terms of uh, teaching approach or working launch angle. So, yeah, I think uh, I think everyone's in for this. And he, he just felt like a relic and a dinosaur. And I'm not saying a hitting coach is going to come in and fix everything. He might fix nothing. Uh, but getting a new voice, getting someone the players might actually listen to, and getting someone who can maybe connect with these young players, because we need to see that transition happen. We haven't. Uh, you know, Ahmed Rosario was this... Med Rosario, I believe, is going to be a free agent on the same cycle that Jose Ramirez is. It's not like this guy was a, he's a young player. Don't get me wrong, he debuted very young, but he's not some player who was fresh to the majors. He's been around. 
they have not. I mean, Oscar Mercado, remember how good he looked and then the disaster? And I know he spent a lot of time in AAA, but he also wasn't getting any help at the major league level. Uh, Bradley Zimmer, remember when back in August, I'm like, this dude has earned himself a chance to be an everyday starter. What happened? How did he completely implode over the last two months to nothing? And there was no adjustments. Those lack of adjustments, and like I said, uh, Zach Meisel has it covered beautifully in there. He has so much great information. I just wanted to cherry pick this bit, but I think it's you know more than uh, more than overdue. Uh, if you're going to be the longest tenured hitting coach, you should be uh, you should be effective at your job. And I don't think there's any. It's hard to say a hitting coach is effective or ineffective, but in this case, I mean, like I said, I think everyone agrees that. Uh, he just wasn't getting it done. He had been with the Indians, if you're curious, since 2013. And yes, he was the longest hitting, uh, longest tenured hitting coach in the league. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. Because, you know, they still have a manager who is not new school. They have a pitching coach who is not new school. But they have a front office who wants to see more of a new school approach to things. And I just don't know... Uh, if that's going to happen, I, you know, I, no matter what next year's Tito's final year, I, I have zero doubt between just the way his body is breaking down and he, it feels like he's coming back to get that record, to be the Indians, have the most wins in Indians history. If you find success, all the better. If you can go out on top, great. But I think next year's his final year. And, uh, I think they will be moving to more of an advanced new age thought process when it comes to that position and getting a Basically, they're going to have a triumvirate of hitting coaches. It's probably not going to be a big name coming in. It's going to be three guys who know new school, new approach, no data, know how to take all of the data out there and apply it to hitters. And that's what you'll be seeing, I feel like, from that position from here on forward. And hey, at the end of the day, it just it can't get worse. Uh, there was nothing done at the major league level, it feels like, in those eight, nine years uh, to justify. Because even when you know Jose Ramirez falls apart... Uh, as a young player, he goes to AAA and gets it together. When Frankie Lindor started to slip, I mean, he went to the Mets, he's still slipping there. There wasn't anything. When Carlos Santana struggled, uh, there wasn't anything. And then he goes to Kansas City and finds a better gear. Uh, just, again, it, well, I, I, I'm not someone who calls for jobs, but I, I think this is going to be a positive move forward for the Indians organization. So I have an emergency situation. Churro is back and it's almost out. If you are listening to this podcast now and you want to get the Churro Puff, which is one of the five best flavors I've ever tried in my history of ordering from Bilt Bar, you want to hop in, order now. They are in their final stages of that. You can also try the new Cherry Lime. And uh, we'll see if the mint chocolate chip is there as well. I'll open the page. But no matter what happens, when you go to BiltBar.com, you get a delicious tasting bar. I will argue that if you're going to get a puff, it's more marshmallowy. So just know that if that's not necessarily your thing with that marshmallowy texture, it may not be for you, but man, the churro puff is good. I have not tried the cherry lime. That is the other current uh, seasonal or fun flavor. I'm surprised we haven't had a pumpkin yet. Keep your eyes open. It's got to be coming. But I highly recommend the churro. It is a delicious. It is good. I like the puffs personally. I have a box of banana cream. I order. I buy this product because I love it. I eat it. It goes in my belly. I had one for breakfast, two for lunch, uh, orange, and two cookie doughs. That's what I ate. And you're hearing me say churro puff, cookie dough. Uh, mint chocolate chip, banana cream. These are all A-graded things in my health food app. They are great tasting. They are good for you. I don't like protein bars. I love these bars. Go to BuiltBar.com today. 
Make sure to use the promo code LOCK15. It's what I use to save 15% on my order. Use it on yours. So let's talk about releases. Uh, with, you know, we've talked about the max size of a minor league roster has changed now. You can't, all those teams, uh, minor league affiliates were cut. You know, Mahoning Valley doesn't exist anymore. So this means teams have to, like, monitor. They have to know how many players they can have uh, per level anymore. You can have 28 in triple, 28 in double, 30 in high A, 30 in low. And then in terms of your instructional U.S.-based rookie league, uh, this feels out of date. Uh, they're saying that uh, no limit. I feel like it's 180 total was what I remember hearing. Maybe it's 150, but I feel like it's 180. Either way, it means players are going to be let go more often. There's not as many landing spots, and we're going to see more players just not get those opportunities to uh, to play with in the minors for an extended period of time. you got to perform now. Guys are going to be coming in and out, and that's just the way of it. So let's talk about some of these players who are let go. Let's give them their moment to shine. So Luis D. Garcia was let go from Maracaibo, Venezuela, a 21-year-old kid. Uh, he's one of those ones, like, he should have known this was coming. Uh, as a pitcher, he never got out of the Arizona League. 21, still in Arizona. I'm kind of surprised he lasted this long. Uh, was in the DSL in 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2021, all out there in Arizona. And, I mean, this past year was only 11 innings anyways for him there, and they were not great innings. Uh, used as a starter in 2019. Wasn't bad that year, but uh, for him, you know, it's just very obvious that's coming. Michael Cooper. So Cooper was a 33rd round pick from Ridgepoint High School in Missouri, uh, t- Missouri City, Texas. I remember that threw me off even then. Uh, first baseman, big, six foot five, one eighty. So how did it go for him? We mentioned he was drafted in uh, twenty seventeen, which is a while ago. You think about it. I mean, he's had an, a, enough seasons in there. Uh, so twenty seventeen, he's in the rookie league. Doesn't really do much. Uh, twenty eighteen, he gets Mahoning Valley, Arizona. Not much. He was uh, twenty nineteen in Mahoning Valley for a bit. And then this past year, he was in Arizona as a 21-year-old. Again, writing on the wall in this case. 239 batting average over his career. Nearly 700 plate appearances. 299 on base. 354 slugging. 653 for his OPS for his career. 605, you expect power, but he only hit eight home runs during those t- during that time. If you're first base only, you got to perform. When you get a high school kid with those interesting dimensions, in the 33rd round, it, it speaks to a lot. He was a Juco commit. I pulled back his perfect game profile. He ran pretty well for that size, but his exit velocity was in the low 70s. That's not great, but uh, you know, you go through, it's an easy frame, simple mechanics, repeats it, good power, just never came together. And, but I mean, his community college was McLennan, which is a big name community college. Just didn't work out for Cooper. He was an interesting prospect, but again, that should not be a huge surprise in terms of him being released. If you're still in Arizona at that point in time, it's just not looking good for you. Jake Forrester, or Jacob Forrester, was a name I looked at, and I'm like, huh, why am I thinking about him? What what stuck out, stuck out? Stood out enough to make that a name that immediately popped for me, and I still don't really have a good answer for that. Uh, he went to Central Washington University, so a smaller school, 37th round draft pick in 2019, uh, undersized right-hander. You go and you look at his 2019 data, he was in Arizona. Then, of course, no one played in 2020, so 2021, he starts out in Arizona. He's already 25. Uh, Then he goes to 
Lynchburg, and it's not great. He He's not missing bats. The walk rate's a little high. Home run rate is very high. 25 in Lynchburg and getting lit, that's what's going to happen. It's it's just the way it is. Uh, he was, I just remember as a 39th round pick, I thought, oh, he's kind of interesting. It did not come together for him. Talked briefly yesterday about Kellen Roll. I like his potential if he could figure out his command woes. Big lefty, funky delivery, strikeout per nine over his entire minor league career. That's in 68 games, 88 innings, is 11.3. Problem is his walks per nine are at 7.9. Uh, the Indians aren't always the best at fixing command issues. Yes, it has worked out with guys like Clevenger, but they're much better with guys who already can pitch. Uh, they've drafted other guys. There's a reason why they've had so much success with those little walk guys, because uh, they can. they're better at adding more than they are fixing command. They haven't fixed a lot of command issues. They've fixed some, don't get me wrong, but they've been better with adding more umph than they have working on the mechanics of command and control. And when you look at uh, roll, 12.4 strikeouts per nine, 12.6. He was move, you know, but that's the other thing, you know, once he was drafted in 2017, he, or 2018, I'm sorry, it was rookie uh, Arizona and it was Lake County and then he lost the year and he goes back to Lake County and this year I it was limited he was only in 18 innings in 11 games it was walk per nine this year was 17 so that's that should not be a surprise and again he's 25 that's the whole lost year and just how that works Kevin Hegret uh Herget, I should say that might be a name that's a little more familiar uh because you know, he is someone who was bounced around. He was in minor league free agent signing, former uh, St. Louis Cardinal. He's trying to remember. He never reached the big leagues with them. In my mind, I thought he might have. He, I feel like he had been a top 10 prospect for them at some point. Uh, he was a depth guy in AAA. He's 30. Uh, the numbers down there, they were fine. They weren't great. The FIP, and X, the FIP was not good. The home run rate was high. That park allows for that. K per nine, walk per nine were good, but... You know, it, again, you have a limited number of spots. You're going to move on from the 30-year-old. He's not part of the team. He's not going to pitch. Uh, you got an opportunity to look at him. It was nice knowing you. Uh, Diarlin Jimenez uh, was from Santiago in the Dominican Republic. Another 21-year-old. And again, he never left rookie ball. He's a big kid, 6'5", 180. Uh, he's got that Tristan McKenzie size. Mostly worked out of the pen this past year, but even before that, uh, you know, he could miss some bats at points. Uh, command was also shaky. He, you know, you you sign a bunch of players from Latin America, just like you sign a bunch of high school kids. You're never quite sure what you're going to end up with. I love the name Euclidean. Oh man, like now I can't say it. Euclidean is a type of geometry, so his name would be you. I can't say it's a mathematician's name. Oh man, Euclides Lopez. Five foot ten right-handed relief pitcher from the Santa, another Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. Another player born in two thousand. They let go. Another player who uh, never progressed outside of rookie ball. <laughs> another guy with obscene wa- uh, walk rates uh, in fifty-six innings, a walk rate of ten point nine. So that's that's what's happening when you are a little bit older like that. Uh, you're not going to always move on uh, with a team if your command is that much of a disaster. And I was kind of curious. No, this is not the right uh, Juan Mateo. I, I, when I went to pull up Juan Mateo data, he gave me a guy who in uh, 2021, or has not pitched since 2011. I was like, this doesn't seem right. So let's pull up the correct Juan Mateo Indians. 
and he might be the most interesting one of the group. There's not a ton on him, but the Indians signed him in March 18th of 2020. Uh, I imagine this is a signing that was set up and done right before the world kind of fell apart for a time. Uh, the big thing here is that he is at the 2020 top Empire League pitching prospect uh, and that he won't be pitching there anymore. It's a, you know from this Empire League champions announcing it. You see him signing it. He was signed as a, I mean, he was released today. He's 28 years old. So he was already an older player when he signed. Uh, that, you know, he had been trying for a while. He went to Tennessee Wesleyan High School. And according to this report from, again, the website of, you know, they were coaching and working with him, uh, he was consistently hitting 100 miles an hour. Uh, I don't have a ton on Juan Mateo, but it, that in and of itself is interesting that he could uh, throw 100 miles an hour. Uh, here's a, a tweet I found where it's saying he's up to 98. Uh, you know, he was making his debut this year as a 28-year-old uh, when he pitched at Tennessee Wesleyan. That was in 2019. So he was even older when he came over and pitched in the college grouping this past year, his only year in the minor leagues uh, for Cleveland. He pitched in rookie ball. When you're 28, that age is counting against you to begin with. And he got 22 games, 30 innings, working out of the pen. Is he... He's a righty. For a second, I thought he's a lefty. The numbers weren't terrible. They weren't particularly great. He did give up a lot of earned runs, but struck out 27 and 30 innings with 12 walks. Age. I mean, he's in rookie ball. You have to dominate to move on when you're already 28 years of age. But yeah, those are the uh, the minor, first set of minor league releases. There could be more, uh, honestly, as they have to add and move players around. There's also going to be guys who just leave as, as uh, six-year free agents. If they don't sign Oscar Gonzalez, or add if not sign if they don't add him to the forty man, he can choose to leave as a free agent. We'll have to see uh, if they do. I don't think they're gonna add him, so we'll have to see. He might choose to walk. He might choose to stay. Some players choose to stay because they think they have an opportunity. We're gonna take a quick commercial break. Come back and talk about the AFL roster. Even though baseball season is done, there's no reason you can't go over to Bet Online and find something else that intrigues you. Something else that you want to go to the number one sports book and try. And remember, when you go there, you want to use the promo code Locked On to get a 5-0-50% bonus on your first deposit. We can go check out and see what the line is uh, for the Browns this past up or past this upcoming weekend over at betonline.ag. Uh, remember to use that promo code Locked On to get your 5-0-50% bonus. So actually, forget about the Browns. Let's talk about how deep you can go. Right now, since the Rams game is occurring, I mean, most of these are locked. But you could pick uh, first half, money line, total, side, total first half, money line first half, money line three-way, money lines, highest scoring quarter, uh, 10th drive outcome you could bet on, which you can still bet on that one as I'm recording, receiving yards by Tyler Higby, completions by Stafford, rushing yards by uh, Daryl Henderson, rushing yards Alex Collins, uh, halftime slash full-time regulation totals, I, whatever you imagine, it's there. You can bet on Japan, the Republic of Korea, MLB. Go check it out for yourself over at betonline.ag, your online sports book, and use that promo code Locked On. The AFL is often another chance to look at players, get a deeper look. It's often top prospects, but it could just be sometimes there's some player need. Sometimes it's just an extended look. And sometimes it's a reward. Uh, it can also just be a way to get a look at someone who was hurt due to injury. Uh, and we're seeing kind of all of those combinations in terms of the players that got sent out. 
you have Damian Cassetta Stubbs. If you don't remember him, he was the return for Jake Bowers. That's right, they got something for Jake Bowers. How about Tanner Tully, who's been the ultimate organizational uh, soldier this past year, pitching up or down wherever they need at a moment's notice, rubber-armed former Ohio State Buckeye. Aaron Pinto, one of the, do I want to say, I don't want to say necessarily sleeper, but under-the-radar relief prospects in the Indian system. Uh, Matt Turner, who was uh, one of those players that was up there with Ramon Burgos and Richie Palacios and Brian Levestida and Cody Morris for the guys that I considered like true sleepers in the Indian system. Turner was, ooh, I don't know, I don't. he's got kind of a scary picture over at MLB, MILB.com. Uh, so he pitched for two teams this year in the minors, only 20 innings. Health has been an issue for his career after being drafted since 2017 in the minors. He has appeared in 43 games, just 153 innings, maxed out at 73 innings. This year was just the 20 uh, in, he didn't pitch poorly now again he's rule five eligible i don't think there's any chance that they will protect him also can just take a moment talk about how much i dislike the milb uh page for stats so this past year for turner nine was his his strikeouts per nine were nine his walk per nine was 3.6 not terrible 1.8 home run for nine he did get hit hard that was in lake county in the rookie ball yeah he's a lefty he was the uh guy they gave money over slot to in 2017 as 11th round pick interesting player health has been a massive issue for him and that is exactly why you send him out there it is a chance to see more reps and looks michael amadidas probably said that wrong is it's i was surprised they're sending him out there now i don't know if that's more surprising that he's listed as a catcher slash center fielder he played one game in center field way back in the cape cod league yet they still have that listed he's been a catcher since the indians drafted him 37th round pick by them in 2016. That was after he was a 21st round pick by them. I'm sorry, I have these wrongs. Wrong. He was a 37th round pick in 2016, but then uh, went to University of Miami and was a redraft in 2019 as a 21st round draft pick. Like Justin Garza, um, there's a few other players that come to mind, Garza being the most recent example. If they like a guy, they will go back and get him. Now, Emma Didis, uh, whose name I'm probably saying wrong, in 2019 after being drafted. And he got some at-bats, and he was not bad in rookie ball. Now, he was old for the level. This past year, he spent time between rookie ball and Lake County. Uh, only 38 games total for him, so it's a chance to get him more reps. You always need catching depth. And, again, it's a player they liked enough to draft twice. Uh, we'll save the big names. Let's. I haven't even mentioned him. So Tanner Tully, this one surprised me. I don't know what else there is to see, so I think this has to be a reward. Tanner Tully is 26 years of age. He pitched in mostly double and triple A this year. In 2019, he was in high A, double A, triple A. Uh, 2018, he was entirely in high A. I'm surprised by that. In 2017, he pitched low A, high A, double A, and triple A. So he has, and he pitched in, no, he didn't pitch in short season that year, but I mean, he has just been the guy for them. He has had 124 innings, 147 innings, 144 innings, 113 innings this past year. And the numbers weren't necessarily bad a 7.7 strikeout per nine he's not missing enough bats uh the walk per nine was only 2.5 and he was able to be pretty effective on the whole as a just a journeyman lefty uh this feels like a reward for him and you know he'll continue to stay in system because you need rubber arm starters so tanner tully uh sticking around damian cassetta stubbs who came over in that deal he was a former 11th round pick of the Mariners. And we've talked about the 11th round pick is more valuable than often like 
the seventh, eighth, ninth, or tenth round pick. This is the guy that a team goes back for, typically uses some of that money they might have left to get over slot. Uh, he only appeared in one inning after being acquired by the Indians. So, you know, some health issues. He was in 40 innings for Seattle this year. Before that, it's a chance to get to see him some more. He was a 2018, 2018 draft pick. So he's not Rule 5 eligible as a high school kid. You need uh, multiple, you know, he, he's not there yet. But uh, yeah, it's just a chance to see him. He pitched one inning for the Indians. This, for him, he is there because of health. Aaron Pinto, a chance that he's going to be a major leaguer. Low 90s guy, 24th round pick out of Stony Brook High, Stony Brook College. Uh, I lived in New York. I, should, I know Stony Brook. 25 years of age. He pitched in Akron all year this past year. And, I mean, you look at the numbers, he's effective. Now, you know, Akron, I always talk about, is a uh, pitcher-friendly park, but I need to. I, I want to look at some advanced data. I need to go and look at uh, some park factors there because there's a lot of guys who end up hitting for power there who don't elsewhere, and there's a lot of pitchers who end up giving more home runs than I think. It's certainly not Columbus, but I say this because Pinto had a strikeout per nine this past year of 14. That's... Of course, awesome, excellent, amazing. Walk per nine of 2.7. That is also very good. Home run per nine of one. Now, the fact that was in Akron is a little bit of a concern. But again, I want to dig into the data. ERA of 2.3. Uh, he was extremely effective. He is draft eligible since he was a college player taken way back in 2018, right? So it's, so yeah, he would be eligible. And there's going to be, maybe I could see him being selected. Let's put it that way. When you get right down to it, uh, he performed exceptionally well. If you're a stat-heavy team, and it's not like his stuff is bad. It's not necessarily spectacular, but it's okay. He has a solid velocity, some secondary offerings. Uh, this is a chance for the Indians to get another look because they have to. They have a choice to make. He's undersized, but uh, when you perform that well, you force a team to consider you. And then after that, uh, Jose Tenya, who is he was in, now this is a danger. I think. What this means, yes, they want to get more of a look at him. I don't think it's more of a look to add him to the 40-man. If you're putting him out there, I mean, a lot of times you are debating a 40-man spot. So here's the thing. If he goes out there and he is crud, he may not get added to the 40-man because then it might also reduce value. But if he goes out there and plays very well, then he is a definite 40-man addition because then he just showcased it for all of those teams in a setting where every team is observing and paying attention because it's the Arizona Fall League and everyone is sending their top prospects. And then Richie Palacios, We've talked about it many times. You know, he got hurt and kind of slowed down in the second half after his promotion. That uh, it hurt his overall value. It moved him down lists. He should probably be higher on every list than he is. But it, it, listing is always a "What have you done for me lately?" and it's not much there. So this is a also he could be. I think with Tenya and Palacios, it's these are borderline guys. If they go out and excel, you add them because they've proven themselves. Pinto, if he goes out and dominates. You might have to consider adding him. I haven't talked about him all year, but for a team that needs relief arms, uh, you can go through and, and, you know, relief arms tend to always get undervalued, especially guys who don't throw high velocity. But if he's effective, you have to at least consider it, right? Uh, And then for Tully, it's a reward for being a good soldier. For Cassetta, it's just to get reps. For Turner, it's to get reps. For Amaditas, it's to get reps. Uh, Lake County Captain Manager Greg uh, Desenzio is going, and Trent Kaltenbach, strength and conditioning, is also as coaches going out there. So, yeah, that's the Arizona Fall League. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked On Indians Podcast for this week. Remember to rate and review. It really helps our show grow. 
We're number five in China, number three in China, something like that. I'd have to go check. Let's make a stat in the United States. And how we can get there is through the help of fans like you. Uh, I do want to thank everyone for listening, making Lockdown Indians your first listen. That is a way you can help. Uh, I also want to say rating and reviewing on any app, program, whatever. That is a fantastic way to help. Downloading daily is maybe the easiest thing you can do. Uh, asking a friend. <laughs> say, hey, I like this podcast. Do me a uh, solid. Download it as well. Uh, all those little things. Let's help the show grow. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Lockdown Indians Podcast for another week. We'll be back next week. Same baseball time, same baseball channel. And for now, go, go, Guardians, go.